Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. We're coming to you from Austin, Texas at the 39th Annual Addiction Leadership Conference. Our broadcast is brought to you by Sundown M Ranch, just outside of Yakima, Washington, successfully treating adults and adolescents for nearly 50 years. Sundown.org, where recovery becomes reality. A great conference down here, and you know, I've been around NAATP since, uh, gosh, back when it first started. I, I worked with Mike Ford in the oh first year of NAATP when it was down in Orange County and Herb Pratt was involved way back when. One of the leaders and legends in this field is Doug Teeman. He's nice enough to stop by the broadcast location and chat with us for a few moments. He was on a panel that opened up the NAATP conference, charting the field's trajectory. And I asked uh, Doug if he would be kind enough to come and uh, share a little bit about that. First of all, welcome to the program, and it's good to see you again. Thanks so much for having me. It's always great to talk about history, and I, I love the history that you just mentioned with, with Michael Q. Ford, oh, our, man. Our, our founder. I worked with Michael Ford at NCA before it got its DD, by the way. Okay. Uh, and then Michael left to uh, to start NAATP. So it's it's been... it's. It's been a roller coaster ride up and down and all around, but it's uh, the trajectory of NAATP is definitely on the upswing. You've been the president and CEO of Karen since 1995. Of course, I go back to Rick Asterly at Chit Chat Farms. I don't want to age myself, but it's it's it certainly has been a while. Some of the things you talked about yesterday, certainly cooperation and collaboration as as one of the real keys in this trajectory moving forward. How did we and why did we get from care to census? I think what uh, really happened uh, in the early days, it was cooperation and collaboration. A new field, everybody who, who entered this business was a do-gooder. They, you know, they, they looked at human suffering because of alcoholism and addiction, wanted to do something to hopefully uh, alter that course so people could have a life of, re of recovery. And when people found something that worked, they shared it. I, uh, I, I had the good fortune of, of uh, entering the field 35 years ago. My with Hazelton, With Hazel, right? yes. With Hazel and my first boss was Dan Anderson, <laughs> one of the architects of the Minnesota model. And I remember when, um, and I learned a lot of history from him and, and met a lot of great people. I mean, you know, Nelson Bradley, sure. Brinkley Smithers, uh, Geraldine Delaney. God, as we understand her. God, as we understand her. LeClaire Bissell, yeah, uh, uh, Mel Schulstead, you oh, name them. Mel was uh, my mentor. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great, great people. And uh, But when I took the position of CEO at Karen in 95, Dan came to my going away party at, at Hazel and he said, you know, he, he, he said, I, I uh, on a weekly basis, he said, I used to talk to Dick Karen. And uh, he said, if you check our history, you'll find that if uh, Hazelden did something new, I shared it with Dick. And a week later, Karen was doing it. And if Karen did something new, a week later, Hazelden was doing it. Right. And he said, that's just how, how we rolled then. We, we wanted to help each other do a better job with the patients. And, and that really was the trajectory until the late 80s when... All of a sudden, uh, we had a number of major companies that were involved in, in this, and companies get involved, investors get involved, because they have uh, an interest in making money ultimately. And when that became the driving force, it, was, it really was about census. And uh, that doesn't mean they didn't care about people, but, but you can really only have one priority. Right. And when the priority is money, census, unfortunately, care, 
oftentimes would take second place. And that was really unfortunate for our field, but more importantly, it was unfortunate for the patients that were trying to get well. Back in the early 80s, it was Kentucky Fried Treatment. There was, there was one in every corner. The, a hospital would have yep. a low census. They would designate a wing. They'd yep. throw up a shingle. Yep. They'd get the insurance money, and the gravy train was was moving. You know, the comp cares and, and Charters, all of the... Charters, yep, NMEs, absolutely. PIAs. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. Yep. And then when that stopped, they moved on. ALFs or... Yep, absolutely. Yep. No, a absolutely. And the strong have survived over the years. Karen Foundation, Hazel and Betty Ford, uh, Sundown and Ranch, Seabrook. Yep. They stayed the course because they provided good quality treatment with good solid staff, uh, and they put the focus where it should be on the patient, not on filling the damn beds. I think you hit an important point. I, I just did a talk a couple weeks ago about uh, you know the 90s, who who survived and who didn't and why. And the why was real simple. Those that survived were those that were mission driven. This is what we do. And everyone that survived kind of took stock of what was going on in the 90s and, and then said, what do we have to do? What's our core competency? What do we do well? And how do we do it well until there's some level of reimbursement uh, that re that returns and we all figured it out but if you look at the organizations ones you just mentioned yeah that's every single one of them figured it out because they said we need to be here because we know that just because funding for addiction stopped we didn't cure all the addicts in the world they're still here and we need to figure out how to how to make it work in a financially prudent way. And uh, fortunately, we were able to do that. Doug Tiemann joining us for a few moments on Recovery Coast to Coast, one of the leaders and legends. He's president and CEO at Karen Foundation. You're also involved with the organization that I cut my teeth on, which again was NCA before the DD. Yeah. I ran the local council in Santa Barbara back in 1975, 76. Now, of course, it has gone through some changes. Yes, You're on their board now. How are they doing? It's a shame that, you know, I worked with Marty Mann and I- Oh my gosh, Marty Mann was on, was a good friend of Dick Karen's yeah. and on the original chit chat board. I know. Way, back, way back in the day. And now you're on the NCA DD right. board and, and I'm hoping they're going to survive. You know, you raise a good question, and it is very perilous right now for NCADD. And I look at their trajectory, and, and there was a pinnacle in the 80s, and I, I shared the story yesterday. I remember, I think it was 1986, Wheelock Whitney was the chairman yeah, of NCA. That's uh, right. Marty Baker yes. was the president. Joan yes. Kroc made a presentation of a million dollar I gift. was there. Yeah. That, was it 86? Yeah, yeah. For some reason, that sort of sticks in An my mind. An operation understanding? Yep. Good grief. I mean... They they were at the top of the field, yep. and how it has changed. And and I really think uh, I don't know. You may remember in the '90s they got I think bogged down with sort of mission disbursement. I mean, you know, remember when they were concerned about label laws? On, oh, absolutely. On, 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 you know, like you know, yep. like, you know, they wanted the Surgeon General That's to put a label on beer. This is hazardous for your yep. health. And yeah, I think and, and and I and I don't know that that was it specifically. Uh, there was a couple of the executive directors that I'm not real yeah. sure had yeah. the right focus in, in mind. But the last five or so years, uh, it's just been sad to see as a result of, of NCADD not doing a good job with public policy and public advocacy, what's happened is there's been a variety of other startup groups, right. Shatterproof, Facing Addiction, yep. Yep. Faces and Voices of Recovery, that have all filled the void that NCADD should have done. I am hopeful, whatever the name is, I'm, I'm not that particular about, but all of those organizations need to combine. We don't need 
five right. organizations exactly. with a half million dollar budget. We need one strong one with you know with a several million yeah. dollar budget that can represent all of us, and and, and that, that's where we need to go. And it was a double-edged sword for NCA because their major benefactor, who I worked for for a number of years, was Brink Smithers. You got him. Great guy. And, and a Adele. Great guy. And Adele, and she just yep. recently passed away yep. in the last year, and when they focused on Brink and Brink's money, they stopped trying to raise other money. That, that's a good point. And, and they became beholden to he who has the gold makes the golden rule. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really hopeful and I'm delighted that you're on that board to hopefully bring some sort of collaboration, cooperation, a new organization, uh, uh, whatever it is, because that that is a legacy in our field of NCA. I mean, when Marty started that and, and what she did and her relationship with Bill W., oh, yeah. it goes way, way back. It, it runs through the bloodline of our field. That's a really good good point, and I think of uh, Brinkley Smithers and what he did. Yeah, and uh, he gave ten million dollars to start the program in New York, yeah. a treatment center. Yep. Up at the old Billy Rose Mansion. You, you got it. And then became part of St. Luke's Roosevelt. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and unfortunately, that had its own challenges, as, it did. as, as we know, and it ultimately was was kind of dispersed the way we once knew it. And, and, and that's an important thing, I think, for us to remember. We talk about, you know, the Smithers Institute. We think about NCADD. We think about some of the organizations that didn't make it. Parkside being a great organization yeah, sure. that didn't make it. Is that history does not necessarily guarantee success. Right. So um, a real important lesson for us is focus the mission, succession planning, leadership planning, your great point about NCADD not really having a funding stream after yeah. Brinkley and Adele Smithers passed along. So organizations need to think about what is, you know, how do we pass the baton? And I think the organizations that have been sustainable, like Hazelden, like Karen, um, you know, we've done a good job at figuring out who do, who's the next leader, who's the next leadership, who are the next people on the board, because it may be great today, but if we don't do a good job planning for the future, we can't sustain our mission. And at the end of the day, that's really what it's about, sustaining the mission. Doug Tiemann joining us for a few moments, president and CEO of uh, Karen Treatment Centers. Uh, you talked yesterday about Karen and about your mission going forward of doubling down. Explain a little bit about that, if you would. Sure. Um, we, we, like many organizations, two, 2008 to 2014, 15 was a, was, I call it the boom 2.0. Yeah. Um, it was like the 80s. I mean, um, it was easy to grow. We grew significantly during that time. Our revenues, just to give an example, grew from during that time from 60 to about 115 million. Wow. So almost doubled during that period of time. We expanded to Texas, uh, another facility in Florida, Bermuda. And uh, with the private equity coming in the way it, it was, with significant amounts of money, and as a nonprofit, we get our revenue, uh, our growth money comes from philanthropy, right? And we're pretty good at it, but you know, we're not going to do a, a two hundred million dollar deal like we could see private equity. So we kind of said, you know what, this probably makes no sense. So right now, it is a great seller's market. So let's sell facilities that really don't fit into our long-term plans. Let's improve our core businesses, our core treatment, which was at Karen Renaissance in Florida and Karen in Wernersville, Pennsylvania. So we said, so we sold three facilities. Um, we are building a $20 million med new medical center on our campus in Wernersville. We're built, we will be building a similar facility next year in uh, Palm Beach County, Florida. 
uh, with the whole idea of really becoming a much more of a medical academic center. We have relationships with University of Pennsylvania, Penn State, uh, Hershey, uh, NIAAA, NIDA. We're doing research. We train 350 physicians a year. We have fellowships for physicians. So we said that's, that's what we really want to be. We want to just be the absolute best uh, for everybody that comes that comes to Karen and, and maybe someday in the future we'll grow. We dropped our revenues from 115 down to 90. We'll be about 100 million uh, this year. But uh, you know, in the planning that others would say, well, geez, why would you why would you do that? We said we're doing it because of patient care. We, you know, we yeah. may treat a few less people, but we're going to treat everybody significantly better. And who knows? Maybe in 2020 we decide to grow again. But right now we said let's double down. Make sure we have great facilities, great staff, great programs that people are willing to travel because they want to get the best. In a sense, back to basics. Back to basics. Uh, Doug Taman joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. In the few minutes that we have left, talk a little bit about the challenges that you see for our field for NAATP, short-term, long-term. In the next year, we'll start there. Yeah. I think the biggest issue our, our field has to address is, uh, you mentioned getting back to basics, and that means getting back to the basics of what we're all about, which is about care. And uh, the ethics today of marketing, in particular, misleading um, call aggregators, which is you know a, a, you know a number on a website, a 1-800 number that you see advertised on TV. We have a desperate, desperate nation today because of the opiate epidemic, and and families are ill-equipped on how to deal with this. They just want something simple. The marketing and is obscene. The, the marketing is obscene. So people call a number, yeah. get promised all yeah. kinds of things, and then their name gets sold to the highest bitter. There's facilities out there that don't know how to market, don't have a reputation, don't have a reputation for care, and they fill their beds up by going to these uh, call aggregators and uh, get patients. How do we stop it? Well, uh, NATAP has taken a major lead in that. He talked about what we can do as a field. We said we, what we want to do is make sure that we is provide some protection for that suffering family so that when they reach out in their moment of desperation that they get a facility that has evidence-based practices where they have a good likelihood at recovery they're going to get treated in an appropriate way so so we're going to be working with attorney generals and uh, uh, insurance commissioners uh, we're going to be going to uh, CARF, JCHO, state licensing boards and, and, and make standing if you're in NATAP um, I'm going to say if you're in NATAP you have you have passed a level of approval. You're, 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 you're CARF certified, you're JCHO certified, you're marketing ethically, you're billing appropriately, which is another real scandalous thing that's yeah, going right yeah. now is uh, unnecessary testing, particularly urine drug screening. And so what we want is we want uh, people to get a great opportunity at recovery. Most of us in this field are in recovery, uh, as am I, and we, and, you know, we are very grateful for that. We just want other people to have the same opportunity that we had and, and when we see charlatans and profiteers just trying to make a buck off of people suffering is just disgusting. Mm. Doug Tiemann joining us uh, tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast talking about a number of issues in the field, short-term challenges. What about the long-term challenges over the next five years? When you study the history there's ebbs and flows in this and, and right now in many ways, we're on a high spot. The, the, the country is concerned because of the opiate epidemic. Right. Doesn't matter, red state, blue state, big state, little state, rural state, urban state, doesn't matter. Everybody is certainly conscious of this. And I'm very concerned that if we don't do a good job in providing ethical, 
effective treatment, eventually, our history has told us that the public will say, look, we gave all these money to these alcoholics and addicts. They didn't get well. They're still committing crimes. They're still doing bad things. Let's throw them in jail. That has been our nation's history is that uh, we have these periods of level of compassion and sympathy and empathy. And if we don't do a good job with it, eventually what happens is it goes the other way. Let's throw them back in jail. You know, and there's many, many, his, you know, prohibition is a great example of that. Zero tolerance is a great example of, of that. Uh, when you look at the, the rate of incarceration in the 90s after we stopped providing treatment the way we did in the 80s, it's, it's stunning. Incarceration grew three times faster on an annual basis in the 90s than it did during Prohibition, when it was really wow. easy to throw people in jail for yeah, drinking. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's stunning, because if we don't provide good treatment, guess what happens? Untreated alcoholics and addicts, we go out and do bad things. You know, we're all capable of doing that under the influence, and so we need to provide people treatment, because that's the best uh, policy for our country. The eyes of the nation are upon us. Exactly right. They're, they're, good. they're watching, looking, taking notes, and if we don't do a good job, if we can't police ourselves, if we do it in some of the ways that you see going on in Florida, the public's going to say, why, why do we do this? You know what? Throwing them in jail is easier, and we can't let that happen. One of the bright spots, of course, is NAATP. When people yep. call, and I get calls from all over the country, how do I find a good treatment center? And I said, start by going to NAATP. Yep. If they are a member of NAATP, they, they subscribe to certain standards uh, that are crucial in terms of this field. You're, you're absolutely right, and, and we're going. And one of the goals of NAATP is actually to police ourselves. Yeah. We're going to actually go through and look at our membership and make sure that everybody understands ethical marketing, legal billing, so that when someone you calls on an, a NATAP member in whatever state it is, they can go with some confidence that, to know that this provider is going to give me a great shot at recovery. Doug Teeman joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast, one of the leaders and legends. He is the president and CEO of Karen Treatment Centers. Doug, good catching up with you again, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Always enjoy it. I'm Neil Scott. We're going to take a short time out. Back with more right after this.